guess. Hello world, huh? <laughs> oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Light the candle! What? Well, I thought Poulter was number two in the world. <laughs> um. <laughs> Expect anything different? All possible, Garrett. Yes, it is, Frank. Yes, it is. And <laughs> <laughs> how about the rise smile on Tiger's face? Yeah. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here of Sunday Red. We have another awesome episode lined up for you all. Today, we're sitting down with P- another PGA Tour winner, Mr. Corey Connors. Uh, super excited for today's interview. Uh, a lot of fun. Jacko, let's start with you, man. What's happening? Not much, boys. Look, I, I'm I'm ready. Like Collins is thrown into my court. I'm ready for it now. But let me tell you, I got the itch. I got the itch to play golf so bad right now. I've been looking on Amazon trying to find a net. Two things on Amazon that are for sure sold out: any PPE for for uh, the healthcare professionals and golf nets. Can't find one for the life of me. Uh, other thing, look at me. I'm flying today. Uh, last weekend, watched all the the reruns of the Masters. It didn't help the itch at all. I sat on the couch for probably 18 hours fist pumping every one of Tiger's birdies like it was yesterday. But uh, anyways, yeah, happy to be back at it with the boys and uh, right over to you, Ricks. What's happening, fellas? Um, Quickly, we had a little bit of discussion on our social media about uh, your most memorable Tiger uh, Masters win. And I, we posted a little picture there. We have 97, 2001, 2002, 2005, and 19, of course. Uh, Which one did you guys answer and why? So I went with 19 just for me that, you know, when we look at your most memorable, right? That one, I, you know, we watched every single shot, you know, I didn't miss it. And just the way to see, you know, Tiger come off the green, Charlie waiting him uh, for him there and running, you know, getting, you know, jumping into his arms and celebrating with the family and just the comeback. It's like, you know, from zero to hero and, you know, just essentially really just rewrites history for himself it, for me i was like i watched every single shot didn't miss one single blow and you know i could go back i could probably i could recite his entire round for me that's, that's the most memorable just because it still gives me the chills uh whereas for me oh five obviously very good uh, like obviously up until now that was my my second most memorable but uh that one i think carries more because of the chip shot in 16 but 19 overall as an entire championship for me that that takes a cake I will agree with Jacko that 2019 is the most memorable when I say memorable. But after doing a little digging, and I I forgot about the 2001 Masters when he held the Tiger Slam. I think that's the most underrated major victory of all time. Changed my mind. Uh, But that, to me, all-time underrated major win. But 2019, memorable just because it's on the top of mind. Yeah, you're talking about like the modern day major championships, not including the USAM and Open Champ or Open Am, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, for me, uh, it it actually I s- looked at my phone for about 20 minutes thinking about my answer here, and I'm not gonna let uh, recent recency bias kick over here. Uh, to me, my peak as a golf fan, um, the 97, 01, and 02 were a little bit before my uh, golf. Uh, golf fan craze so 05 is the one that stood out to me i was playing junior golf i remember the chip shot i uh i've watched it numerous times and uh that's the one that stood out to me as far as the most memorable but uh also since our last podcast we've had a the new schedule released uh unfortunately we recorded about two hours before they released that schedule what do you guys think about uh let's start with the open championship being canceled unfortunately and then uh the major schedule heading into the fall 
Yeah, with the, for me, the, the open shave is one of my you know favorite times of the year. Getting up uh, usually really early in the morning, a couple of coffees, watching golf, and you know then usually weekend getting back out there, swinging myself around you know eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock. Um, so you know it's sad to see it being canceled and obviously no rescheduling. You know, unfortunately, the the climates over there and the environments, uh, you know, don't really uh, equate for an open championship sometime in December. Uh, but yeah, it's sad to see. Obviously, it has to happen. Um, but you know, I guess life goes on, and it'll be one of those uh, an empty space on on the Claret Jug there. Yeah, you know what? It's tough that the Open Championship isn't there, but you know when you look at it and you see the schedule and everything kind of crammed together, it's going to be an insane few months. And you package that with other sports, like we're we're missing it right now. I feel like when it comes back, it's going to be an overflow, which I'm pumped for. But uh, yeah, sad to see the Open Championship not there. But I'm I'm excited to watch some meaningful golf all in a row. Yeah, yeah it's just it, oh. be an absolute heater for golf uh, with how they structured it. And my favorite stat about everything, though, is having two masters in like five months. Like normally we, we sit and wait for 12 months for Augusta to come back. This is Christmas is coming early in 2021 for the boys. It's going to be weird to see Augusta in November, but like they're going to do it right. You just know something about Augusta. Like, you know, what I mean, when they get something thrown their way, uh, they never uh, they never go 50 percent or 80 percent. at something they're going to go 100 percent. They're going to find a different flower to grow. Uh, it's going to be looking pristine condition in the fall. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, arguably could be one of the most historic if they have a good storyline. It being November might might be a change of pace. A um, couple more things before we get rolling into the interview. How about the Outlaw Tour still playing? Uh, I think it's it's either in Arizona or California. I didn't look it up. But uh, you guys don't really have to comment too much. But how ridiculous on a scale of 1 to 10 is they're still playing golf right now? 10. And I feel like they're <laughs> jumping the fence. They're putting the leaderboard over. And they're sneaking on the golf courses to keep <laughs> the tour going. But they should, uh, they should pause play for a while. Yeah, yeah I, I find it hard to believe that, you know, when we talked to, to Gliggs and Mac and now Corey, them talking about like they're worried about, you know, I think the restrictions on their golf courses and not being able to go play their private golf course. Yet these, these folks are playing <laughs> playing a tournament like it, it's ridiculous. So I, I'm going to give I'm going to give a 10.5 out of 10 on the ridiculous scale. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, a little bit more news. Uh, all, Colin, I mean, at the start of this podcast, he spelled my name wrong in the little intro blurb we have. Continues to spell my name wrong on social media. It's got one R. Um, any comment on that call or no? I just don't matter. You know what? It's just one of those things, Kari. Uh, <laughs> it, it's two R's in my mind, and I might have to call you Doug from now on. <laughs> Colin, I, I think you just stick with it. I think you just keep rolling with it. Kari with two R's. From, from our perspective on the Sunday Red podcast, it's Kari with two R's for sure. He's a different guy, and, and we're just going to roll with it. Okay, sure. Uh, quickly, uh, Immelman named 2021 President's Cup captain. Tell me you guys' feelings about that. Zero significance for me, um, but whatever. I'm cheering for him. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how they determine the captain, but I feel like there's a lot of other folks that could have went down unless everyone's saying no and they end up in uh, over in Immelman's uh, mailbox. But, you know, obviously master champion in, in his own right and, you know, hell of a career too. So, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll I, leave it at that. 
I do have a Trevor Immelman story, a personal one. So I'm sitting, uh, Texas Valero Open, uh, defending champ, actually, Corey Connors, wonderful, closing nicely today. I'm watching that event the year uh, previous to Connors winning, and I'm on the like, near the 16th green. I'm, I'm there by myself, so I went down for school, and I just wanted to go watch the event in San Antonio or whatever. I'm having a beer by the ropes, and like, I see like one of the broadcasters walking along the ropes, like uh, with the headset on. I couldn't recognize him right at first, and he's getting closer to me. I'm like, oh shit, it's Trevor Immelman. So I like, he takes another 10 steps. He's within five feet of me. I, uh, I'm like, oh hey, Trevor, how's your day going so far? Looks me dead square in the eyes. Guy fucking snubs me. Just walks right <laughs> oh, by me. Big time. I'm just sitting by myself. I'm like, what an ass. You know what I mean? He couldn't say hello to me. Like, uh, I was, I like more laughed. My Like, I laughed before he even walked by. So he saw me laugh that he snubbed me. But uh, that was, uh, that was, I took a hit morally that day. And uh, 2021, I might be cheering for the, the US side, depending on how things are working out. We'll see. Um, uh, you know what? It's different. It's different if you get snubbed by like Tiger, Phil, or Rory, but yeah. Trevor Immelman is a rough snub. That's oh yeah. That's you you know, I, I I think the reason I don't like Trevor Trevor Immelman is I picture him as like he, one he wears a a lot of time a stupid visor, and I feel like you know when they they make that visor that has the hair attached to it. I feel like that is just imitating Trevor Immelman's hair. Like like it's just it's just it's awful. Either like that that. Who? Brian Gay had like the little plumes oh. coming out of there too, and Poltz. Oh, disgusting. Luke Donald. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a tough look. Uh, last thing we need to talk about is our little trivia game. Simo came up with on on Instagram. Lots of interaction as far as people guessing the amount of aces. The biggest shocker, and I think I I, I think uh, Mackenzie Hughes commented on well as well because he guessed wrong. This team right here has 15 combined aces on a golf course, including one on a par four. That is impressive stat for all three of us. You know what's an even Curry, more how many impressive you stat? What's that? <laughs> and the, the Colin's question, how many you got? Yeah, well, fuck. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on the board right now. And you know what you guys <laughs> didn't have to do? When Mac messaged us, you didn't have to respond, Kari has zero. It would have been, you could have kept me on. I thought we were a team here. That's pathetic. Anyway, yeah, me, me and Colin get lucky every once in a while. Yeah, that's all. That's all I have for today. Awesome. Well, uh, there we have it, fellas. Let's jump right into the uh, the 2020 simulated runner-up Masters uh, champion. Don't know if that came out right, but let's enjoy the Corey Connors interview. Mr. Huff, Mr. Giner is ready for your interview. Actually, we'll be interviewing as a team. We're here to fuck shit up. Joining us today on the Sunday Red Podcast is the six foot one, meaty, 190 pound product out of Kent State University, born January 6, 1992, in the rustic town of Listowel, Ontario, Canada. This pure athlete is currently 66th in the world. He's the 2010 Ontario Amateur Champion the 2013 Gopher Invitational winner, the runner-up in the 2014 U.S. Amateur, where he defeated players like Scotty Scheffler, Denny McCarthy, and John Rahm, playing in his first Masters in 2015. He is the 2019 Valero Texas Open champion. He is none other than Corey the Assassin Connors. Corey, welcome to the show, man. 
Hey, thanks. Never been called the assassin before, but uh, I don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> we come I up, think we had no idea that, that was coming, Corey. <laughs> I think your your coworkers on the PGA tour are probably calling that behind your back with your ball striking. So we'll take it. We're gonna start. We're gonna make it a thing. Yeah, I love it. Well, great intro. Excited to <laughs> be on here. Love it, man. Well, uh, Corey, man, what have you been up to these days? Obviously, uh, weird times for you. What's uh, what's new? What's keeping you busy? Yeah, obviously, haven't been able to play any competitive golf lately, so it's been a little bit of an unusual time. But I've enjoyed the last few weeks at home with my wife. Uh, we've been trying to stay busy, doing some workouts at home, trying to do a lot of cooking. We both like to cook, and I like to eat as well. So that's a bonus after you cook some food. Uh, reading some books, I just caved and bought an xbox my wife doesn't really enjoy that never really nice. been a game a gamer but uh started to get into that a little bit playing some nhl and um whatever else i can can find i'm very uh rookie mode at the moment <laughs> but yeah, we got aspirations to be a little better so we'll, we'll see we'll be able to put in some time over the next little bit um but yeah just hanging uh at home in florida and trying to stay healthy um weather's been been really nice so always looking outside going i'd love to be uh, <laughs> love to be grinded on the game um i have a boat down here as well but they shut down the marinas so <laughs> haven't been able to get out on that it's been uh, been painful but uh yeah you know just enjoying time with the wife we travel so much being able to spend a little time together at home yeah i don't feel normal i guess um, uh, yeah during this unnormal time so we've, we've been doing all right nice man so yeah let's go ahead simo Sorry. i was gonna say uh, you, you mentioned you like to cook so if it's a friday night you're at home with your wife what's your go-to meal you're, you're whipping up uh got a lot on on deck right now but um we both like salmon i make a nice salmon on some cedar planks and uh, i got a big green egg uh grill i like to use that <laughs> nice. thing uh nice. those things salmon's are awesome a, salmon's the go-to easy but uh always delicious hard to screw that up cooking them on the cedar planks who's the better cook though oh i'm the i'm the chef in the household for sure we, we make a <laughs> wow. good team but, but I'm who's the, the better wine drinker also probably have that taken down oh so really we, we <laughs> uh yeah, we're both pretty competitive in that, uh, that <laughs> aspect for sure. But yeah, it's it's fun, you know. Just we, like I said, travel a lot and eat out on the road a lot. So being able to be home and cook some meals together is a lot of fun. But got a wide variety of uh, recipes I, I like to go to. Lots of chicken, um, yeah, anything really. Nice. Well, I was gonna save this uh, save this one question, but you brought up your boat. So uh, Gleeks had chimed in. He said, heard you bought a boat. What did you name it? So we want to know the name of your boat. Well, it hasn't officially been named yet, but the, the name that he calls it is Decoy, which is a wine that I, that I like. It's, uh, <laughs> you get it at the grocery store, but um, it, it's been my go-to for the last number of years. Uh, it's, it's a wine that some of the wines I'm kind of sensitive to and don't make me feel very good. So um, that one seems to do the trick, and um, I can – it tastes good and I don't feel crappy after drinking it. So that's so, kind of so are they feeling crappy after drinking one glass or one bottle? <laughs> uh, one glass, really. I have some sensitivities to uh, it, some, some sort of, I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint it, but I've kind of figured out through some trial and error of what, uh, what gets it, what works. And, and that's one of them. So, but another name that I thought is kind of cool that my mother-in-law 
she can't believe I didn't think of the name. Um, was the Monday Q for my boat's name? Oh yeah, <laughs> so nice. that'd be uh, that'd be all right as well. It's kind of a it's a smaller boat. It's like twenty five feet, so you don't really have to name those ones. Maybe wait for a cool name for my next one. Couple couple more years on tour, we get the fifty foot yacht, eh? <laughs> yeah, we that's, don't know a, what, that's a little steep, but yeah. We don't know what kind of boat it is. He's like, he's like, he's gonna be like Tiger pulling up the yacht at like the Hamptons or whatever when the U.S. <laughs> Open was at. Uh, was it at Chinnacock when he did that? I thought that was pretty. That's a boss move. So at some point, I think you're gonna get there. Um, yeah, I'm in gonna the, need a few major championships under the belt before I'm getting into the <laughs> yacht category. That's double Pull digit. Up and be like, Mr. Woods, that's my spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually just uh, mentioned, uh, sorry, in the intro, we mentioned two things. One, it's like, it's technically your one year anniversary of winning uh, the Valero Texas Open. And uh, I think the Golf Channel showed coverage of it yesterday. You're kind of, you're doing the interview and that was kind of your wife's coming out party with, uh, with the cameras on her after every putt you made. Um, how is that? How has that changed your path on the PGA Tour? I know winning with the the guaranteed exemption and stuff like that uh, goes a long way. But what are, uh, for a casual golf fan, what are other things that changes for uh, your path on the tour? Yeah, first of all, it was really cool to kind of be able to relive that and see some of her reactions again. Um, She's awesome. Definitely my biggest fan. Um, You know, she supports me every step of the way. So uh, obviously winning's great, getting the guaranteed starts the status for a couple years uh but for me personally it's just a real big confidence boost there's always a bit of doubt in your mind not knowing if you're going to be able to get it done um when you're coming down the stretch and fortunately i was able to play really well on the back nine kind of had an up and down round but um proved to myself that i can do it gave me a lot of confidence and you know just i feel more relaxed teeing it up week in and week out um know that if I play my game I'm going to be able to get myself in the mix and a lot of things have to go right for you to win but I know that if I I know I'm on the right track with my game and there's some areas I still want to improve a little bit and know if I keep working I'm going to give myself you know a lot of chances so it's been really nice there's a lot of perks that come with winning but really the biggest one that I'm taking from it is the confidence boost and you know the sense of belonging that you feel out there on tour and um, you know, my, my wife got, uh, she became a star there, there and we got, she was the one that was getting recognized, uh, when we were going out for, for dinners after and she'd get recognized like in the airport lounge or something. And so I'd be like, Oh, can you get a picture? And she's like, yeah, sure. I'll take it. They're like, no, no, we want a picture of you. You're in the, you're in the background. What about my t-shirt on 16 that I stuffed in there? They know what even cares. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not mistaken. You started off like uh, we're not going to get really into the round because obviously people go look. But didn't weren't you like four under through five and then bogeyed four in a row or yeah and then and yeah, right. thirty on the back or thirty one on the back? That is so impressive to come back from that. Like under on a really tough golf course, um, uh, you made Canada proud with that one, and, and so did your wife with uh, having a couple drinks on the sidelines. I think Mac was there having a beer at the end too. So yeah, that's yeah. all. Yeah, he had always to wait cool for to me when I finished. <laughs> I didn't know if it was a bad look to just like slam it right on the. I assumed that I would have been on camera at that point. I didn't know if that was a bad look, but I had a little sip and yeah, that was sweet. It's so cool to be able to have the, those guys there. Nick or Nick Taylor was there as well, and Joel Damon, a couple of other of our close friends, and um, you know we all support each other. So it was sweet. They stuck around and uh, congratulated me. That's awesome. 
Nice. Um, all right, man. Uh, Corey, we're going to move into our uh, fan favorite segment here called What's Your Handicap? Don't know if you know anything about it, but uh, we're going to play a little, little intro music, and then Kari's going to uh, to jump in and, and describe it for you, all right? <laughs> What is your handicap? All right. I apologize for the shaky start there. I, I obviously have to make a volume adjustments that I wasn't aware of. Um, but what's your handicap is a segment that our podcast has. Uh, we started off just with the three of us. And then uh, once we started uh, interviewing some PGA Tour players and some golfers, we decided to include them on the What's the Handicap segment. So what we do is we say something that uh, someone does on a golf course. Maybe you have buddies back home. Maybe you play in a lot of pro-ams, so you've probably seen it all, maybe more than we have. But a uh, tendency that they have on the golf course or something they wear. Um, and immediately when you look at them before you see them make a golf swing, you say, oh, this person's definitely this handicap or above like you can make a safe assumption so um actually i'm going to start us off with the first one uh to get us rolling here and then we we usually uh after Corey would answer we would do our own thing we're take this is for our listeners we're taking out that out this week uh we're just going to have Corey answer and then maybe we'll chime in and uh critique his responses but at <laughs> the end of this Corey, hopefully you can um Hopefully you can think of one yourself. Um, I would rate so far Gligic and Mac Hughes. I'd give them maybe both, well, maybe five to seven out of ten. We haven't had anyone have an A, a on uh, the, the report card yet. But uh, are you ready to kick things off? Let's do it. Okay, perfect. Um, so my first one is like in a pro-am. When, uh, when the amateur doesn't know how far they hit their irons or tell you how far they hit their driver approximately. <laughs> get that a lot um, <laughs> but i'm pretty good at usually helping them out once i see a few swings i can help them out uh with the distance but gotta be a gotta be a 15 okay yeah i, I like it i laugh uh, i laugh at this one because um you guys you guys obviously don't play the same tees and pro-ams but like I'm assuming they're going to tell you they hit it like always 300 seems to be the number. Yeah. I don't know why that's like the echelon for amateur golfers. They think in their mind, like that's the number they need to hit. But like you, they probably tee off from the whites. You're playing the tips and like you're hitting it past him from the white tees. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, how far do you hit on tour? It's like, oh, 302. Like the math. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I think a lot of them a lot of the time i get just under 300 because they know a lot of the tour guys hit it right about 300 yards and they watch me hit and they'll be like oh i'm not quite as long as that but like 285 probably it's funny you brought that one up fricks it's you know i play with a bunch of my buddies and you know when they're just learning they can hit a six iron anywhere between you know 10 yards and 220 yards. Some of these guys are just athletes, so there's that wide variation. It's hilarious. Oh, or he catches the nine on the forehead, and she's just screaming, and nobody's safe. <laughs> Give her your next up here. <laughs> so, so the the one I got for you, Corey. I, I, pretty sure I don't know if you, you you spent some time in working in the pro shop down in Listowel, but uh, a guy walks into the pro shop with his glove on. Oh, that is a <laughs> that is a good move. Love that. <laughs> He is, uh, 
that's tough. And he's obviously pretty serious. Doesn't really know what's going on, but he's really into the game. So we're giving we're giving him a twenty. He's he's gonna struggle out there on the course. <laughs> so, yeah, two things. One, he actually has a real handicap. Two, there's for sure dirt on the thumb of that glove from lighting <laughs> lightning off his face after contact. <laughs> And he's coming in, he's struggling to get his credit card out of his wallet with the glove still on. Yeah, that's magic. Love that one. Simo? <laughs> All right. All right, we're going, uh, we're going here. He, he has the Garmin wristwatch. So every time he's about to hit, he's going to the wristwatch, dialing the numbers um, to try to hit it out. What's his handicap? <laughs> this, this is tough because I, I feel like some decent players want to know you know, would actually use that to their advantage. But then there's a lot of, you know, very mediocre golfers that would use it because they think it's going to help when it really won't. But I'm going to go, this is, I'm going to go, this is the best golfer yet. He's a 10. Oh, there you go. I yeah, like don't, don't feel afraid to uh, take it low because we've given the whole other end of the spectrum. And we've actually had ones where Gibber, who's a good player himself, uh, includes himself on the what's your handicap. So he says scratch it off. A lot, actually. I actually <laughs> yeah. think with the, with the Garmin wristwatch, you can have it. But I think just hook it up to the bag. Just hook it up to the bag. Yeah. Don't put it on the wrist. You put it on the I'm wrist on the same catch. hand as your glove. It's yeah, I think there, there's another part to that. I think if the course is already like if he's already put in that he's on the first tee on the wristwatch, his <laughs> handicap is much higher. You know, if he gets the first tee and then he knows what's going on and dials it in or does it going down the first hole. But if Buddy's got he's standing in the pro shop checking in, he's got 650 yards to the first green. You know, he's <laughs> he's ready for the game. Oh, I love the in-depth insight look yeah. there. That's perfect. Love it. Um, okay, the next one, and I have a backstory after you answer this, but uh, um, where's golf shoes to go watch golf, like on the PGA Tour, like you see a spectator in golf shoes? Very solid play as well. Sometimes they're the smartest people. It's wet out there. They got waterproof golf shoes on, but <laughs> for the most part, it's a, it's a tough look. I'm going... Uh, kind of, I got to... I keep getting stuck in the middle. I'm going 18 again, but... Okay, yeah, Bowie Golf is in, is in the range. Yeah. Do you guys mind if I chime in with my quick story? Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure I know what the story is. I don't think you do, but one year, um, actually it was a couple years ago, obviously in the in the stall open here in Thunder Bay. Um, that's my local course, and uh, that's what I grew up playing. We went to go watch uh, coverage. Uh, sorry went to go watch on Sunday and you were in contention. I think you've uh, maybe you definitely top five, maybe solo third. Um, we show up to the first tee for your tee shot. And obviously with the Canadian flag beside your name, there's like half a Thunder Bay out there. There's gotta be 80 people surrounding the first tee, uh, cheering you on my buddy. That's like not even a golfer. Um, took his dad's golf shoes with the brown side saddle and he shows up and and it wasn't wet and he and they weren't waterproof shows up with golf shoes on and like you always have that one buddy that just needs to call him out he's like mike what the, what the hell are you doing man you look like a fool walking around and the rest of the day is all self-conscious because he thought everyone was going to be wearing golf shoes to the golf course so that it was amazing and that's what like when we said we're going to be interviewing the interviewing you that's one story that popped out in my head I so I, I put that in the same category with with someone who wears a random hockey jersey to a hockey game you know go sports right <laughs> you gotta, gotta show up with it on oh like but, like the, 
like a, not even the team that's playing. They're just no, no. Or, or not even like someone who's on that team. Like say I don't know, like uh, a Dougie G jersey when he was in Montreal, like wearing a Leafs jersey. This is like someone showing up to Pittsburgh and in Carolina wearing an Edmonton Oilers shirt, right? Like yeah. just it, it was brutal. A fan yeah. of Unless that. it's a Leafs, if it's a Leafs jersey, it's allowed. <laughs> my my second thing with the, with the golf shoes when you're showing up to an event, caddies don't get to wear golf shoes, so why should spectators? <laughs> if, oh, yeah. if you're not if you're not sitting there in the middle of the middle of the tee box, you're not wearing golf shoes. But so so my <laughs> next one for you, Cor. Uh, I uh, so buddy makes a putt and leaves the ball in the hole. <laughs> I don't know. I've never encountered that before. I've Come played, on. With a lot, played with a lot of really? pro-am people. You've been playing. Uh, you've been playing with too many good players. Then you know, maybe you're not relating yeah, to us. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a pretty rare occurrence that they find the cups. We're going 30, 30 and above <laughs> for that play. They're the one that they hit it within five feet and just scrape yeah, it away. Eight, yeah, they try and make the five footer and it doesn't go in, and then it's scraped every hole. So, the one time they put it in the cup, they're like, yeah. Wow, I like that. That is an ultimate pet peeve for a lot of people. I'm shocked you haven't seen it. Like, uh, you know what? And in the next year, it's probably going to come up and you're going to think about it. I'm going to think about it for sure. (laughs) We'll see how my answer was after I encounter that. (laughs) You're right. See Mo, last one, buddy. All right, last one. Uh, every this is a religious move on this guy's part. Finishes the hole, no matter if he's playing the back tees and the ball washers like thirty yards up. He's running to the ball washer, quick little ball wash, dry, and then teeing off. He uses it every hole. I've never understood why ball washers are where they are. Obviously, I don't know where else they would be. But it means you just putted with a dirty ball. <laughs> that was one of the We've questions. We've had that one, too. <laughs> so you've putted with a dirty ball. Then you wash it for your next tee shot. It seems like you'd want a clean one, I don't know, for putting. <laughs> but that ball washer, he, yeah, he's he's up there as well, struggling to, to get around. He's probably using a pretty muddy ball on the greens, and he's a 22. <laughs> I've I never it. thought of that point at all, but that's yeah. actually a really good point. Well, if... Any player who's under, I would say, a single digit is always going to, whether it's just wipe with their thumb after they mark their ball or, like, clean up their ball a little bit. Uh, yeah. Some guys oh, have yeah. a towel or just, like, spit on the ground and wipe it off. <laughs> uh, Other guys got a caddy they can just huck it to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, you got to be uh, got to be up there. I, I, thought of a, I thought of a good one uh, for you guys. We'll see, uh, see what you guys think here. This has uh, happened a lot of times in Pro-Am, so. Buddy walks up to the tee, you look in his bag, and all his irons have covers on them. Oh. <laughs> this is the biggest pet pet pet. Oh wow, can't speak this morning. Pet peeve of mine. This is a thirty-six plus, and just should never be <laughs> thirty-six playing. plus. You're beating this guy up. <laughs> okay. Funny I... story about Jack Corey is uh, we were actually playing like a a charity event, and this poor guy pulls out of his car. Up, a full bag with club covers and Jack's in his group and Jack physically takes his bag out of the car and takes off every one of his head covers and then puts the bag on the golf cart. That's how Doesn't much Jack know the guy. Doesn't even know the guy. So I will throw out a little disclaimer. Uh, Mac did bring this up so you guys can oh. tell you spent some time together. Um, but, but it is always a good laugh and he actually, uh, he actually associated ethnicity with uh, with the head covers, which is unbelievable when we're doing the podcast. But um, 
I, I've said this before on earlier podcasts, but we do have some new listeners. Uh, if you have iron covers and we're playing golf that day, there's a good chance that we're not going to be playing anymore. Like there's probably yeah. maybe a nine hole. I might tolerate it for that and mention it. But if, if they continue to stay on the bag, I don't think we're going to be playing golf much longer together. That's a, that's a really bad look, but uh, that was a great one, Corey. Thanks for that. We appreciate that. That yeah. uh, Another one that's probably came up before is you got a ball retriever. Those are, I hate the ball retrievers in a bag. So. <laughs> do, do you know anyone that has a ball retriever in their bag, like a family member or anything like that? No. And it's basically, no. My dad, he's funny. He's made sure that no one in our family's ever had a ball retriever. And he says he's kind of not, he doesn't love playing with people yeah, with ball retrievers. That. You know what? Like, he's, he's, a, he's a good man. We, yeah, we appreciate sure. him on Sunday Red Podcast. He waited You're the you first to... one without a father who hasn't had a ball retriever. So that's big. Yeah. That is big. Yeah, I think Blake, Blake said his father-in-law and Max said his dad or, or vice versa. <laughs> they, they, they just love the thrill of finding a nice pro V. <laughs> yeah. Just holding up play. Got to keep it moving, boys. Absolutely. <laughs> Your dad actually made the rule after you made it on the PGA Tour so they could all just get fresh pro V ones. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're getting the calls like three times a week. Hey, Corey, gonna need another dozen. Maybe yeah. you put my name on these. Uh, he's, he's not short on balls. <laughs> he's yeah. 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 I love it. Well, I love you it. don't lose any, so you can have all your spares. True. Uh, all right, fellas. <laughs> Let's keep that uh, that wraps up the what's your handicap segment, Corey. We're gonna go into our fan questions. We asked asked a couple of our followers yesterday, uh, knowing that you're gonna be here on the podcast, if they wanted to ask a few questions. Um, so this is for the one one question we've asked every single person so far. Eighteen holes Saturday with the boys. How many beers are you putting down in the round? Uh, we know four. about your bachelor party. Oh yeah. 40 that day but yeah, four. <laughs> i'm going i'm going four I, I think light yeah just you know keep it cool i i've i've grown up yeah. a little bit maybe back in the day could have had a few more but it's um it's funny i'm like uh whatever I get like the five drink mark i'm a terrible golfer relative to other people but when you get into the higher numbers that's when i i really shine compared to the competition so <laughs> wow. i don't know some, some of the days so the of finishing returns almost it hits you early but then it comes yeah, back you get it comes wait. back but i think it's maybe a little my mind's not as clear and i think i'm better than i am but um you know relative to some <laughs> other friends i feel like i i really come alive in the the deep stages of the, i wrong <laughs> I love You're that. like Frank the Tank, eh? You get your second wind. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. No, sorry, I got a big day tomorrow. Home Depot, Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if I have enough time. Oh, I love it. All right, uh, you're mid-round. You're making the turn, whether it's a Thursday, it doesn't matter what day it is. You, you need to fuel up. You got nine holes left. What's the go-to mid-round snack? Um, love beef jerky. Uh, I usually try and have some of that in the bag. Uh, granola bars on, on tour. I eat, try and eat quite a bit out there. Trail mix, granola bars, banana, jerky. If, I, if I'm at the home club, I'm not afraid of uh, sliding in an egg salad sandwich. Don't mind those. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, who's who's most likely on tour to have a, a turn dog, a hot dog at the turn? <laughs> That's a tough <laughs> one. I don't think anyone at, at this point. I feel like everybody, oh. you know, they. Oh, uh, they get you it. There's a... no Phil Kessels out there. I'm too nice to throw oh. out the boss. Okay. 
<laughs> I like it, the, the funniest thing I've seen with the, the turn dogs, when I was at the Canadian Open last year. I was sitting there on uh, between, I want to say, the first and 10th tee. And Austin Cook's getting there ready to tee off. And he's standing in line at the concession stand. All he's trying to do is get a bottle of water. And the, the lady's like, sir, you're going to have to wait. And he goes, I have to tee off. <laughs> this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Because you see this guy's wearing golf shoes, got the glove in the back pocket. Oh, he's yeah. just standing in line. And then like he's trying to kind of get going. Like, he's waiting on tee. And he goes, like, guys, I got to tee off here. Can I get a bottle of water? <laughs> I actually have one more quick story. I haven't told on the podcast i was at the 3m open in uh, minneapolis last year and i i took a uh, piss in one of the portable washrooms and it is like 55 degrees celsius in there like it is scorching like insta sweat i like step out of the thing the door slams beside me it's daniel berger he's taking his golf stuff golf club in the back pocket i look at him like man it's so hot in there he's like i don't think i can play 18 <laughs> random stories that you run into right. so we we had the boat question so we'll bypass that the next one uh, we'll make this the final one for the fan question but what was the first and it could be the boat if it is the boat you might have to tweak your answer or not but first big purchase after your win um track man was uh nice I, also there's two things i got the like norma tech leg uh, recovery things they uh they've been on my radar for a while and yeah tracking and that i think uh or quickly ordered after the win two pro moves i like that yeah but we, we just moved in into the mix it. now oh it's coming uh two more days i've had to wait forever they've been slow i'm hoping <laughs> you it think doesn't you're gonna get, get, into, canceled that, on get me. into that race or what I, I don't know. I, th- I think I will. I got to, you know, do a few private sessions first to make sure I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if Charlie Hoffman's right. dripping sweat on that thing, you'll be just yeah. fine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, one thing, Corey, is I brought it up in the intro about the uh, the U.S. Amateur event there. Um, obviously playing like, first of all, stacked field. When I was going through that bracket, I cannot believe how many guys are on tour or at least on the corn Ferry tour, but what's the most memorable thing about that week for you? Uh, I think one of the coolest things was, uh, after winning the semifinal match against Denny McCarthy, um, I was in, uh, at that point, uh, Penn, Taylor Pendrith, one of my good friends was on the bag for me and Derek Ingram, the coach was. Was, it was just us three, and we got into the car, and we were all there. Derek, I think, started off. He's the funnest guy to be around, but he was just let it a big woo and was, like, banging the roof in the uh, <laughs> van we were in because, uh, you know, I was going to get a spot in the Masters for making it to the finals, and we were yeah. jacked up. Yeah. That's something that that sticks out for me for sure, just a little celebration with I mean, two of my closest friends. and uh, yeah, That was pretty sweet. And, uh, yeah, the year before, I lost in the semifinals to Matt Fitzpatrick, but I beat uh, Bryson, uh, Patrick Rogers, so a bunch of other uh, tour players there. So. Well, unbelievable. You're, you're, wa- you're walking through that moment of hitting it up and realizing, like, I got chills. Like, just even <laughs> oh, yeah. thinking of, like, you're going sweet. to the oh, Masters, yeah. you know? We're like screaming. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. So- so now that you, obviously when you went to the Masters, you stayed in the crow's nest. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, was there with some other great guys. Um, 
Scott Harvey, the mid am champ, and um, Byron Meth. He won the U.S. Great. Pub Links. Great. It was the last uh, uh, last time that was played. Um, super cool experience. It's really it's like a college dorm style accommodation but it was fun they have a little tv in there and it has every the only thing you can watch is the masters and you can pick any year from history of oh. since it was like televised almost and it was so cool we watched you pick? a couple well i've seen the 97 masters 250 times probably <laughs> used to watch that on vhs on repeat as a kid uh, mm-hmm. we did watch that one i think we watched uh, jack nicholas in uh, his final win um but it, really cool one night um cool memory from there you know just sitting on the the back patio of the clubhouse everyone's all the patrons have gone basically to the sun setting and just looking over the golf course having a beer with with the other guys it was really sweet pretty uh pretty memorable experience and Uh something that uh i'll never forget for sure the other cool thing actually is that to get there it's right outside of the champion's locker room to get into the entrance to the, the crow's nest so you know walking down the steps every day you bump into some uh, pretty iconic players yeah <laughs> that's like the especially when you're an amateur because you obviously have to retain your amateur status to play the following year like so you're not on the putting green with these guys all the time that would be like the biggest eye opener i don't i don't know if i'd be able to hit a golf shot or like even make a putt just like my head would be just on a swivel staring around like oh it's especially at the masters you have like i mean anyone that um is even a little bit older is a past champion so you're familiar with their win maybe a shot they hit I do have a quick question about the Masters because we unfortunately last last week with Mac we uh, we waited so long that when we got to the Masters part we couldn't really elaborate. But everyone talks that they haven't when they haven't been to the Masters grounds about the undulation and stuff like that when you get to like see how big and grand the the property is. As a player, what's the biggest eye opener? What's one thing that you learned that um, that outside of playing the golf course you would never learn otherwise? Um, one thing that sticks out for me is just the tricks on the greens and, you know, it's just the most beautiful, magical golf course in the world. Uh, the undulation is incredible when you're there in person. It's crazy. It's actually a really tough walk. It doesn't, the, the holes are fairly close together, but because of the hills, it's, it's a pretty tough walk, uh, especially for the caddies here climbing up the hills. Um, but the greens are so tricky and, you know, being a, a spectator or someone watching on TV you just can't really appreciate um, how diabolical they are. They, they mess with your head. It looks like it's going to first putt I ever hit there. Um, and one of my practice rounds had maybe eight feet and was trying to hit it on the left edge. And it was a, I had to aim it a cup outside the right. And it was completely wrong side of the hole. And I, wow. I was a pretty good golfer at that point, <laughs> ready to go in the masters and misread a putt from eight feet by the wrong side of the hole by, you know, eight inches. So it, uh, it can trick you. There's some things that you learn with some, you get some local knowledge around there that that's really helpful, but um, the greens are crazy. And one other thing that, that the fans can't really see on 18, when you're hitting your approach shot, I, I, some people might be able to relate to this if they have an uphill approach at, at their home course. Um, you can barely see the flag on 18 when you're hitting from the fairway. And when it gets, yeah, when it gets up on that back shelf, you can see like the very top tip of the flag almost. You, you can't really see much of it. So you got kind of get a sense of how uphill it is. 
that's like, I mean, we watched the famous shots coming into 18. Uh, just one in the recent memories uh, on Hell Cabrera when he like uh, needed to birdie it to tie on Scott. Like, how, how you you must know you hit that thing right on the button as soon as it comes off the clubs. Because for me, like an uphill shot, like I'm always wondering, I'm like, oh, is it yeah. is it enough? Is it short? Like, how's the first skip off the green going to go? It just shows the le- the quality of ball striking of those guys to just flush one in yeah, there and know it. Kind of the good preparation as well and just having some experience knowing how it's going to react and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it is. Tr- it is tricky. Sometimes I've hit good shots into that hole or thought I've hit it perfect. And it, it's been I've been a little bit off. So it's been tricky still, but yeah. really cool. Really cool to hear both of the masters. Jacko, do you have a question for us? Yeah, so I was thinking, uh, you know, obviously, Corey, you've been uh, a stud kind of your whole life with golf from the CJGA all the way through the PGA Tour now. Um, now, if it wasn't for golf, what was it going to be for you or was it always golf? Um, you know, I was, I was really good academically as well. Uh, during high school, I worked in a pharmacy, a pharmacy technician. And, um, you know, I started in university in science program, thinking about potentially pharmacy or doctor route. I always had the hope that golf was going to work out, but I wanted to have a good backup plan. Um, after my second year at Kent State, I switched over into math and that was when golf was it. I love math as well. I studied actuarial science and some financial engineering, which was really, really fun. Um, You're taking no cakewalk at university. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just found that the math for me, missing a lot of time, it was easy for me to teach myself. And, and with math, once you, once you kind of get the concept, you're, you're good. You don't need to study that much. Yeah. So it's just repetition and this following the same pattern uh, for answering a lot of a lot of problems. Uh, once you understand the formula, you're, you're in good shape. So I got away with that pretty well. Uh, but after my second year, I wanted to play golf and worked really hard to try and make that happen. I was going to bring up your uh, your major, but I didn't know how to pronounce it. So I just skipped over that one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, Kari wouldn't be taking accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I do have one question. And Corey, I don't know if you've made the connection yet, but uh, you, you, do, you did have an Ontario Junior Championship at your home track when uh, I think it was probably, oh, I don't even know what year it was. Gibber, can you help us out? 2010. <laughs> 2010. Um, I got gotcha. you. If there was a if there was a if, if there was a fourth round, um, what are the chances that you're catching young Jackal on that leaderboard? I just want to uh, know. One hundred. <laughs> <laughs> we were having a little content piece in the summertime. <laughs> yeah, that's the exact answer I was looking for. I really, I pl- I think I had a bad. Uh, I think I had a bad third day to. Yeah. No, I think it's Friday was uh, or the second round. Second round, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that final round, there's a 100% chance. I, was, <laughs> I love it. Enough. And believe us, me and Simo were definitely cheering for you. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I, I didn't even I didn't know you guys, but I was uh, you're in the background somewhere. We were cheering for a comeback. We wanted to see a home win there, but I I just wanted to have a little fun with that one. I'll hang my it. hat on the 54 hole scoring record. There's only ever been two to be 54 holes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love it. Corey, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, obviously, you went to Kent State. What's in the water there? You, Mac Hughes, <laughs> you got Taylor Pendrith, like stacked 
Canadian contingent have been there, a lot of success. Uh, wh- what do you say? Like, first of all, why'd you pick Kent State, and wh- what do you think contributed to, to that success? Uh, a big reason I picked it uh, was because of the other Canadians who went there before. Um, you know, they had a great track record. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes and Brett Cairns I played uh, some junior golf with. Uh, they were a little uh, – Mac was a couple years ahead of me, and, and Brett another year ahead of him. Uh, but I, I knew them, you know, they were good junior players as well. And, um, it was pretty close to home. I didn't want to get somewhere where I was going to be uncomfortable. Um, I was happy, you know, happy to be independent, but I didn't want to go to Florida or something where I was going to change things a lot. You know, Kent State, we still had a winter and we got to take some time off, but another big reason the coach, Herb Page, he's incredible, uh, I'm sure all the guys would say the same. He is a big reason that the program was as successful as it was. And then also, um, yeah, he just, he got the most out of us. He made us work hard. I think uh, all of Mac and myself and Taylor, we, we all understood kind of what he wanted from us. And he pushed us a lot, kept us organized in all aspects of our life, made us study a lot as much as we, we didn't really want to, but, you know, the discipline he instilled in us was awesome. We were up every morning at six o'clock for workouts and um, in the study hall every night. So I think, you know, looking back, I give him a lot of credit for for where I am. And I know those guys w- would say the same. He's an incredible guy. Just retired last summer. Uh, oh, wow. After 41 so, so when, years. When you so, look, at it, look at that, it's actually, it's a pretty neat story for you guys, right? Between you, Mac, and Pendrith, you all played on the Canadian National Development Program, obviously Team Ontario, the whole kit, and then you end up going to university together. And obviously, I don't, I don't know if those those two guys were in your wedding party, but you, you know, it's it's cool to see now all of you are playing, you know, professional golf, and hopefully, Penny gets on uh, on tour soon too. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's been been fun. We've all challenged each other and and motivated each other. I think. You know, I was really the last one to kind of turn pro. And when I turned pro, Mac and Taylor were both on the web tour at the time, Corn Ferry Tour now. And I was pretty jealous. You know, I wanted to get there <laughs> pretty bad. Um, obviously, you know, Mac graduated up and I did the same. Taylor struggled with some injuries, but he's a great player. And he'll be, uh, he'll be joining us on tour shortly, I have no doubt. So I, I want to ask one question. Uh, we'll save it for, for a future interview too, but... Uh, does Pendy hit it further than DJ? Uh, it's pretty close. Yeah. He, <laughs> wow. he, he, he does, I think. Wow. I, would, I would give him the, uh, I'd give it, him the edge. It He's is won. crazy. I, I, I played with Pendrith one time. I think it was the London Hunt Invitational. And I've never played with someone who hit it consistently like 40 yards past me. It was an eye-opener. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's playing a different game today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we were on the national team, we'd have long drive contests on TrackMan. Just we, know, we'd try and find <laughs> did, did some entertainment. <laughs> he'd spot me. He'd spot me fifty, and then we'd, we'd go from there. <laughs> oh, that's that's unbelievable, well, right there. He's built like a linebacker too. He's a big yeah, dude. He's uh, he's gotten a little more consistent. Uh, I would say he hasn't gotten much longer, but he's he drives it really straight now too. It's got a great combination, but he's got an extra gear, a little extra speed if he. He needs to get after one. It's like our Canadian Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, you're talking like because Brooks doesn't hit shockingly long, but like Cameron Champa is one guy that stands yeah, out. Yeah, he's the guy that, he that just, 
He's a pin guy too, so you must have seen him hit golf balls right up close before too. Uh, his driver, it launches, it, he launches it really low, which is not like lots of long ball hitters, but the ball speed is just, it's something I've never seen before. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so the I, ball speed there is crazy. And, and you're right, it's doesn't, the flight doesn't look like a, a long drive guy, but he, I think it's just the way that he can maximize his speed by hitting down on the ball a little bit. So it takes off really low and spins a little bit up into the air. But I just think if you tried to launch it higher, his speed may go down. It's just the way his levers work. And, um, yeah, he's he's fast. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something else to watch. Um, last week's interview, you guys mind if I field a question here? Uh, and uh, Corey, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because you probably don't know this. We haven't released the interview, but uh, I think Mac uh, pretty much named the Sunday Red podcast the unofficial managers of your Zurich Classic team if it were to happen <laughs> in the future. I, as of right now, we have no responsibilities other than picking up the walk-up music, but we wanted to talk to you about it. I dropped the ball a little bit. Max said he maybe some chain smokers uh, to come up to the tee last week. And then I, I dropped the ball with my first managerial duty. Uh, what, what's something that you would want to come up to as far as uh, walk-up music for the Zurich? We, we struggle with that every year. It's like a <laughs> battle. They email us a month in advance and try and get our walk-up song. And then we just, say ah we'll figure it out later then like a week before they get on us we're like yeah we'll, we'll talk about it later and we register and they're like we really need your walk-up music like, <laughs> this is the time we're like oh yeah we'll get it to you tomorrow and like wednesday afternoon we're going, uh what are we gonna do we that's struggle why, with that that's why you know. need unofficial managers we definitely need unofficial managers like you guys would be creative for us we tried to do the uh um i think there's like classified as an o canada remix we tried to do something like fun like that just get a little clip but it had some profanity in it that they didn't enjoy so um <laughs> they they asked that i don't even know what we had uh what we had last time i can't remember they, but they give you just like guys. a generic one that they have just on like the zurich classic guy just has on his playlist he's like yeah sure yeah. why not I think we might have lucked out as well as that they uh, they struggled with weather and they only did the walk up music on number one and we teed off on uh, ten on Saturday so I don't even oh. think we I I don't think they did it when we made the turn so I'm not uh, I'm not sure we didn't get put on the spot there it, no music on ten we'd be for sure changing that as a Sunday yeah. Red podcast team oh yeah <laughs> even if I was there with a big boom box on my shoulder playing it for you guys I'd get you guys yeah. fired up. First yeah, I, I visual I visualize you in the back. All right, you got like a little something blocking you off, and you, you know the song "Bring Them Out," "Bring Them Out," "Bring Them oh, Out." Yeah. I got that one for you guys, and then you're waiting like five seconds, like you're waiting for the song to get him in, yeah, and then right the when crowd. it drops, the it's crowd. like, let's go. <laughs> that's actually a really oh. good. That's a really good track because it has that beat that starts. I could. Corey, I'm I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think this is a soft commit. I know the event's not happening this year, but this would have been your 2020 walk-up song. Let's just say that. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I love it. All right, uh, we do a, a little segment here um, called Wrench Talk, Corey. So, uh, so far, hasn't been a huge hit, um, but Kari, lead us off and we'll see where this goes. <laughs> I'm very persistent, and so far with our PGA Tour players, I'm batting 0 for 2, and boys, unfortunately, I think I'm going to go 0 for 3 here, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how much are you a gear junkie for your equipment, uh, Corey? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to really disappoint you here. I'm going uh, 2.5. <laughs> oh, 
I love it. So this this uh, segment, I've used the same uh, I've used the same setup for since I've been on tour. I think the last okay. three years, I haven't changed. Okay. Same yeah, unlike, everything. Unlike you, um, I am a little bit of a gear junkie, so I did know that you've used the similar equipment since you've came on tour. Especially, uh, well, the driver three with hybrid. You're still in the G four hundred series, which like kind of shocking me. They were they were phenomenal, uh, phenomenal woods. But I just like usually you see the pin guys because their um, their technology. Um, they won't really release something until something's better. Um, obviously, you found the right uh, formula for yourself. Um, so I'll just ask. I'll just ask two questions. Uh, and one of them was why you're reluctant to switch, but I guess you already answered that. But is there anything, one thing, even since you were a junior that you just look for when you put a club behind the ball? Do you like it to sit open? Um, do you like to see loft? Do you not like to see loft? Let's just talk about the driver even. Um, give me something here. Yeah, so, you know, just thinking first with the irons, I like, you know, not not too much offset, but most of the sort of player irons are are pretty square. I uh, don't have much offset to them. And I've just always loved the shape of the ping irons. They haven't really sh um, changed too much since I switched to them uh, to start a university at Kent State. And driver, I like to see a little bit of loft. Um, don't like to see the uh, face left at all. Um, sometimes <laughs> when the sometimes when they first started coming out with the adjustable. Um, heads where you could change the loft and, and whatever it changed the lie angle and then changed the face angle a little bit and that rattled me a lot because at any time it looked like it was a little bit left because i like to hit a little bit of a draw and and don't really mind if it's if i like block it a bit and just go straight it usually sticks around but i hate the left ball so <laughs> seeing the left is it, not great and i will uh, i will make you a little happy i the I switched drivers at the players for the first time since I was on the Corn Ferry tour. Oh, tour. there you go. So, uh, I was struggling to uh, I actually broke the driver I'd used for for a while. Um, the fa cave the face in, and I had a backup that I'd traveled with forever, but I'd never really used. And I was really struggling to get it in the air. I don't know what the something was just different about the head, and. I felt like I was swinging pretty well. I was just going out low and knuckly. So they got me into a, a 410. I was reluctant at first, but they made uh, they they kind of made some adjustments to the head, put some glue and stuff, so it felt and and sounded similar to the the one I I had been using, and found something that was pretty good. I've been liking it uh, liking it so far. So potentially, awesome. uh, I used it at the on Thursday at the players I had it in the bag and was using it that week. So. Uh, we'll see so, where it goes so in the leaning on a bit of the wrench talk almost a bit this is slightly different um if there's one thing that you keep in your bag is it, you know a lucky a good luck charm you know a lucky coin or so, something like that what is it um uh, pretty pretty vanilla for a canadian but toonie i always mark my ball with a toonie um it's really <laughs> funny just this morning um they were replaying the valero coverage again my wife like, well, were you marking your ball with a toonie? I said, I do. I have every round. Since I've been <laughs> yeah, I've got a small fortune of toonies in my bag. If anyone's looking for a snack out on the course, ask me for a couple of toonies. <laughs> that's perfect. Heads up, or caddy. Those things are light too. Well, well, I that? go heads up pretty much all the time, but I'm not. I'm not married to that. If I, you know, if I just put it down quickly and it's the wrong way, it's I'm I'm fine. You're not a well, you're not a mental midget like me. I need heads no. up all day. 
Between I, the three of us, me, Colin, Carr, we're moving the tees between other pockets, you know, or we're, we're, we're <laughs> tightening the left shoe, loosening the right one. Yeah. Uh, I do have uh, three rapid fire questions here. You can, uh, you, it's yes, no, a name, or like, if you want to skip, that's fine too. But uh, celebrity crush. That's, uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. That's fine. You can skip Pass. it if you want. Sure. Okay. Um, if you. If you, if you were to play as a perfect, uh, sorry, a professional athlete in another sport, what sport and what team? Hockey, Maple Leafs. I, I knew that was coming. I should have skipped yeah. that question. Um, although, I'm, although I've recently thought it'd be sweet to play in Florida. Like, why would you not want to play pro hockey in Florida? You play golf all the time. I know in their season, they're, they're grinding. Uh, I know state tax, but in the season, like their travel schedule, hockey is, is life. But you can sneak out for nine here and there, I'm sure. Oh, we've all thought about it. Trust me. It's like, why would I ever want to play in Canada? I don't I don't need the fans. I need a golf course. Um, I knew the Leafs thing was coming. I uh, We uh, interview a lot of Leafs fans, it seems like. I'm a Sens fan, so we're not on the same page there, but we'll skip over. And I... I, I the my on my mind because I know you were so close to the President's Cup team, and uh, I, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, I thought you should have been on there. But who do you cheer for in the Ryder Cup? Uh, I've gotten to know a lot of the American guys now. I used to always cheer for the Europeans, but I've kind of I've kind of switched my tune a little bit. Um, got to know some of the the American guys. Definitely as a kid, I was go Europe. But okay. Uh, a lot of Canadians out there. I, 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 I like to see it close. There's great guys on both teams, so I don't really have a high quality favorite, golf. Yeah, it's, it yeah, is good. That's what you cheer for. Love it. Uh, all right, outside of outside of Augusta, because I think uh, I know where this is going. But what, what's your what's your favorite course to play on tour? What's your favorite course? And even if you want to ask, if you want to answer this, what's your least favorite course to play? All right. Uh, or one that, or one that you kind of struggle at that you just it doesn't suit your eye. Yeah, I I recently found a new least favorite course to play because it's so hard. The uh, PGA National Honda Classic, man, that place yeah. beat me up this year. It <laughs> just never lets up. I didn't mind it the first time I played and, and played okay. Um, you can kind of grind it out, but uh, this past year it beat me up. It's so unforgiving and. You know, winning score was only a few guys under par so yeah it shows you how difficult it is uh favorite course i'm pretty high on the uh, tpc san antonio at&t oaks course yeah. where i got my first win <laughs> um <laughs> but other than that it's it was really cool to get to play pebble and the courses in california they're all all pretty beautiful um, mm -hmm. riviera is awesome had a lot of fun playing there uh, so many great courses we're, we're spoiled uh, the players <laughs> is, is awesome they get the course in such good shape yeah. they've you know, overseeded the course um, when it's played in March now and it's just perfect condition really nice mm -hmm. shape so we're, we're spoiled everywhere we go there's some great golf all over even one thing about the uh, TPC San Antonio, I actually watched the randomly enough a guy from Thunder Bay watched the 2018 uh, the Texas Valero Open there. So I, I have been to the course, I have seen the tee shots. How the 18th tee, I'm like looking at it, and mind you, I am looking from like the right side of the tee off box. There's like no fairway to aim at. It looks like so like every we talked about uh, previously on previous podcasts, Innisbrook being just like a ball striker's paradise. Uh, we know you're a bit of a ball striker. 
playmaker, and the Texas Valero consistently has the hardest greens to hit. So going into that week, did you feel like you had a chance even before you uh, tipped it up? Yeah, I definitely liked it. My, uh, my rookie year playing there, I thought the course set up for me really well. The thing, so it's it's really tough to hit the greens, um, but it's really tough, and it's really tough to get the ball up and down. There's probably you know, mm-hmm. the bunkers are really deep, and uh, there's some runoffs around the greens where it's really tough to get the ball up and down. So ball striking is so important, and even the guys with great short games um, are aren't going to be able to get it up and down from everywhere. So mm-hmm. I've kind of thought, you know. If, hit the ball solid enough could give myself a chance and yeah i definitely like the course it sets up pretty well for a, a right to left maybe i was just seeing the shots really well that yeah week when as you're well. playing well. i think a lot of a lot of the tee shots you know fit a right a little bit of a right to left shot pretty nicely there's some dog leg left that, that, you can, that hitting a draw you know helps you fit it into the fairway and even the holes where maybe guys would say a cut works better the draw still is pretty nice mm-hmm. kind of banking against some of the fairways but um, yeah, just it's a great, great spot, and they had it in awesome condition. Getting moved to a new date before the Masters, yeah. they try and spruce up the agronomy yeah. a little bit to give you a good prep for Augusta. So it was pure as well. The greens were amazing, and all the yeah grass was great. So, so keeping with golf courses, Corey, I should probably have looked this up beforehand. But have you played uh, Jackson or Muirfield? Yeah, I played there last year. Um, awesome golf course. I think they were making some changes. That I've um, but after last year's event, I think they changed up some of the holes. I don't know, uh, what exactly got done, but I'm hoping that we can get there this year. It's not looking great, but, uh, we'll see. So, so it's not a golf, a golf course specific question, but what's your, what's your go-to milkshake after the round? Oh, they, uh, I, I kind of like the Buckeye. They have, it's like a little <laughs> peanut butter, chocolate, um, no ice cream. I remember, the, in the locker room, they have the milkshake stand. And I remember this poor watching this poor guy I was trying to order one for my wife and I. And they someone had turned the freezer on too cold, and this poor guy is trying to scoop ice cream, and it's so hard. Like he's getting the smallest amount, and just like shaking at his hand between every scoop, and he's just grinding. And I was like, oh man, like, I was like, I'd love to give you a hand. <laughs> Looks like you're having a bad day. But, um, but I, I need my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I need my hands for tomorrow, so I'm not going to help you out, sir. But I wish yeah. I could. <laughs> yeah. but, oh, well, they treat us. Good. They treat us amazing there. That place is pretty special as well. I think uh, it'll turn into one of my favorite courses once I get a little more experience. It's a sweet spot. A few, few more reps. Yeah. Awesome. So obviously, uh, you're not doing too much these days outside of keeping the body good and whatnot, but uh, there's probably some time time in the uh, schedule for you. So we were wondering, have you and Mallory thought about getting in the TikTok game yet? No way. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> um, totally, totally out on that. I'm not getting, I'm not a big social media person to begin with. Um, so yeah, my... I think my wife probably knows about it. I don't even know what it is, really. I know you dance, I think, but <laughs> it's a dance. So, so what's your what's your go-to dance move if you had to do it? If the PJ Tour is like Corey, you got it. You got to you got to record one. What's the go-to dance move? 
That's tough. We used to joke around in college. We had this funny one. Mac probably might have said the same thing if you asked him this question, but we did. You pretended you were like sizing out a big fish, then a little fish, then a cardboard box. And you just were like, <laughs> that's it. Kind of. So we'd say big fish, little fish, cardboard box. I don't know. Someone, someone on our team like knew of that. And we used to just laugh, dancing around with each other in college. But. That's you're awesome. lucky. You're, you're lucky. We're not recording video or us. So that would have been a uh, Corey Connor's first TikTok on the little yeah. little Skype screen there. <laughs> Sunder is going to send a little DM to to Mallory to get her going on this TikTok for the boys. Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe, maybe just you and Mac. You Mac and Pendrith. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, outside of Matt Every, who we've deemed the most funny guy on tour, who else is a really good sense of humor? Uh, there, there's a lot of guys who who kind of joke around with one another. I had uh, in Mexico, I played a practice round with uh, Webb and Bubba Webb Simpson and Bubba Watson, and their their dynamic together is hilarious. They're John at each other. I was laughing the entire nine holes we played together. So I know those guys probably aren't known uh, as sort of yeah. really funny, but you get them playing together. They're they're funny. They partnered partnered up with each other um, a lot in uh, some of the mm-hmm. U.S. team play, and yeah, they're they're pretty funny together. We uh, we have lot we have footage of Webb Simpson having a club cleaner attached to his belt loop. How do you feel about that? That's uh, that's got to be like a fifteen handicapper, I would say. You know, and, and and Mac did say he he'll say something to Webb, but I hope you say something as well because uh, our power is within numbers. So if he keeps getting told that he shouldn't be using the club watch on the belt loop, I I hope we never see that again. So fingers crossed for Webb. Yeah, uh, for sure. Because we're because we're sweet. I've queens. seen that. A, I have seen that a few uh, a few times. <laughs> with the guys on tour just beating balls on the range on those clean grooves so one, one thing that i thought of that's hilarious that's another high handicapper play is to have a towel just like in the back pocket and I, <laughs> once in a while on the chipping green i do that just throw a towel in the back pocket so i can wipe off my club uh, and wedge in the ball around a little bit yeah just just throw it, yeah. throw it on the ground throw it on the ground much better <laughs> that's awesome um so sorry uh you said web and uh bubba uh is there a guy that likes to play practical jokes on tour let's say though you 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 obviously got on tour just a couple of years ago is there someone that likes to play a joke on like the the new guys or uh likes to mess around with you guys a little bit uh not that i can really think of on the top of my head um uh yeah i think before i got on tour you'd see some stuff on social media um i think uh when some people were uh making fun of brooks at the tour championship when his body issue on espn came out yeah they, uh I, you probably might have saw it on social media but his parking spot they just had a big picture and so there's a sign that said brooks kept good they just pasted a picture of him and his body issue on, the, <laughs> on his parking spot and then on his locker as well there was just one of those taped right on his locker over the name so i don't know who did that but that was that was a little funny joke that came to my mind mm-hmm. i'm I not really remember. a jokester i don't get in the mix with that i'm too boring <laughs> <laughs> i i can't remember who did it but uh uh 
Dillette told a, a good story that when Bryce and uh, DeChambeau came on tour, um, I guess their lockers were beside each other um, at the RBC right when he turned pro. And uh, like Puma was putting like shoes and stuff, uh, uh, shoes and stuff in his locker. And I think someone went up to Dillette and asked uh, if Bryson could use a bit of his locker space for some of his shirts. But obviously DeChambeau didn't know anything about it. But like from Dillette's point of perspective, he's like, I can't believe this guy. He's just coming on tour and he's trying to take a little bit of my locker space. That's <laughs> <laughs> Those little uh, jokes are perfect, and like Bryson is probably just clueless, but it's a, it's probably uh, there's probably a lot of that that goes on behind the scenes, and you guys just don't want to tell us in your inner circle. <laughs> uh, Jacko, you got anything else? Yeah, so obviously, you know, as it stands right now, um, you would be slated to play in the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken. Um, has the tour any like any communication with you guys on? how they're going to determine, you know, how the Olympic team is going to look. Is it kind of, is it going to be locked in at a certain point? Like say if this year kind of gets canceled, is it going to be the rankings as of a certain date? So you, I think it'd be you and Hadwin um, and, or is it kind of free for all? Everything opens up again when it, whenever golf starts. Yeah, they haven't made any decisions, but I think they're going to wait until golf does start again and make an assessment from there. Uh, what I anticipate happening is they're going to keep a similar uh, selection date but just move it to next year so kind of the beginning of june uh next year um gotcha. you know, the, the arg- there's a lot of arguments for that obviously you're gonna get the guys who are playing the best assuming we we can play a bunch of golf before then which which i think will be the case um you're gonna get the two guys who are playing the best um so you know right now if they're to say that Hadman and i get to go next year there, there could be some other guys who who step up and going to overtake us in the rankings and who are playing really well and I think the fairest way to do it is just to uh, continue on the, the points for another year and see where things are at um, next the start of June next year um, as much as I want to be on the team I'm going to keep working hard it was pretty I was feeling good uh, with my position and was really excited to be able to play in that but um, you know it is what it is and we'll keep working hard and try and make the team again. I have a gut feeling that you'll be there next year too, but that's just, that might just be me. I don't know. It seems like you're trending this way for, seems like yeah. you're trending up, uh, up to me, but uh, that would be a really cool experience going to, going to play in the Olympics and representing your country like you have done before. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that'd be a special opportunity for sure. So, so back to with national golf in Canada, I do have another question. So you grew up playing on, you know, the Canadian national dev team. Uh, you know, with the likes of Mac Pentreth, uh, and one of the guys I went to school with, Ranker. Um, so I always saw on, on Instagram and Twitter, um, go Dragons. So give us the story behind the Dragons. Yeah, so really it's from uh, Coach Derek Ingram. He, uh, I think it started when he was on the girls team. He's a, he's a creative guy and always, <laughs> always thinking. Uh, anyways, he's like, well if we're going to be a team, we need a mascot. Cause like all teams have a, whether it's the, for him, the Winnipeg jets or Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, all sports teams have a, a mascot or a name. And he just came up with the dragons. He's like, well, dragons are really cool. Who wouldn't want to be a dragon? They're, you know, they're pretty fierce. <laughs> they're really cool looking. And, uh, so then he just kind of started up that. And, uh, when he moved over to the, as a men's coach and I, was getting on the team that just kind of continued along and 
Um, yeah, or the dragons. Got the little uh, dragon. You get the <laughs> dragon claw going with your front couple <laughs> fingers. And it's just kind of a fun thing that we've, we've played with. And nobody outside of the team really has any clue what it's for. I always think it's for like a weird group of people. But uh, I don't know. It's just, just some The Gulf Canada dragons. You guys are using aim point with the dragon claw. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> I love it. Uh, Corey, anything else for us? Nope. I, I covered all my bases. Uh, yeah. Corey, finish it off here. Give us a, give us your go-to Netflix show. What should, what should be, we, we be watching that you, that you've uh, dove into the last couple weeks? Uh, as with everyone else, I've watched the tiger King. Pretty interesting. Wild. Don't love, uh, don't love some of the people. I'm on the. Yeah. So the question with that, weird. Corey, did Carol do it? She, I believe she did, but they, uh, they, 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 more. they made it look like she did for sure on the show. But, yes. but who knows? Um, just started Ozarks. The new season came out. Um, Unreal. But uh, yeah, it's a sweet show. But I'm I'm getting a little bothered by the there's a bit of tension. That's some dramas happening in that show right now. So we'll have to, but it's gonna keep me watching for sure. Um, we started watching the the Office as well, just throughout the day to kill some time. Again, yeah. it's uh, hilarious. Okay. There's, there's yeah. so many, <laughs> so such many, a good show. Every, every episode, and basically everything uh, uh, Michael Scott says is <laughs> you laugh at <laughs> absolutely everything. So um, that provides a little humor throughout the day. But yeah, for people who haven't seen Ozark, I'd check that out. So those are Love three soldiers. for sure. Those are three solid, three good ones. ones. Well, uh, Corey, man, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule, jumping on the Sunday Red Podcast. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, boys. There you have it, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, hit that subscribe button. Follow along on Instagram at Sunday Red Pod. Send in your guest suggestions or segment suggestions. You can do that at sundayredpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening and subscribing. We'll be back next week with another interview. Until then, keep swinging. Mm-hmm.